Fantastic. Well, we are here to start a new series. Fantastic. And it is called All Dressed Up. There it is. Come on. All Dressed Up. Fantastic. Uh, the clothes we wear. The clothes we wear. Uh, how many of you know clothes are really important? You wouldn't be seen without them. Amen. Amen. I don't know what you do in your house, but we tend to walk around clothed most of the time. The only time I will not walk around clothed is when I get out the shower or directly when I get into the shower. But immediately before and after those events, I make sure I am clothed. Thank you, Jesus, for when all the children leave home. <laughs> and I don't care what anybody thinks. I might put Sharon off her breakfast, but hey. There we go. <laughs> the clothes we wear. Clothes tell us so much about people. They really do. Clothes tell us a lot about ourselves and about each other. They tell us who we are, what's important to us. They tell us even things about our occupation. They tell us a little bit about perhaps what country we live in, where we're going. Sometimes in certain situations, our status in society. They even tell us what we're perhaps just about to do. You can say, you know, I just went and grabbed the coffee as I do most Sunday mornings and um, on the way back, I was just going past the bus stop and this is not just a preaching point, there it was. There was a nurse either going on her way to work or just coming from work. I didn't have to go up and say, what's your occupation? What do you do? Uh, I knew what she was doing. Why? Because she was dressed as a nurse. I think the clothes of a Christian should be very, very obvious. And I'm not talking about what we wear on the outside. We should be very, very obvious to people. It shouldn't be an intrigue for people to say, what's that about you? There should be something very obvious about who we are. You dress up for a function. Anybody dressed up for a function? We used to do the honor night here. We did that for seven years. And it was a black tie event. And it was great to see the red carpet out front and the, and the, the Rolls Royces pull up, in my imagination. And um, the stretch limos, they did sometimes, and different things. But, but, you know, it was great to see people come all dressed up. They were coming to a function. You often dress up for an event. Perhaps a sporting event or a, uh, a party event. You dress up to go out. You dress up to stay in. You dress up to go scuba diving. I went through our family photographs the other day because Sharon's just done... Anyway, there's a book. And I went through our photographs. I haven't got time for all the fluff. I've been told get rid of the fluff. So we're getting rid of the fluff. Not that Sharon's fluffy, um, but... We're not getting rid of Sharon, but the photograph book, I could have told you the whole story now in the time that I talked about that. But there we were, and they were all dressed up for scuba diving. You, you dress up to go and do the gardening. Well, Sharon does, I don't, but there we go. You, you dress up to go to a building site. You dress up to go horse riding. You dress up to go bike riding, race car driving. And there are certain things you wouldn't wear to do certain things. You wouldn't wear stilettos to go to play with the kids in the garden. You wouldn't do it. You'd sink. <laughs> you wouldn't wear swimmers to go shopping. 
Well, unless you're out there in the Caribbean and you get off the beach and you go and have your whatever. You wouldn't wear a party dress to go for a walk in the woods. You wouldn't wear your best suit to go and do the decorating at home. What we wear is really, really important for who we are and what we're about to do. What we wear makes all the difference in certain situations. Some places you can't get in unless you're dressed a certain way. There's a great film that I've seen so many times, old film now, and, and they go to, to have a crab dinner. And they arrive at the door and it's, sir, you need to wear a jacket and tie. And of course, they have them there to provide for people, but he wouldn't do it. And he's a bit OCD in the film and he has to go off and, and buy himself a jacket and a, and a tie. You, you can't even get in without being dressed appropriately. Now, aren't you glad that the days of having to look a certain way for church have passed? I'm really glad. Not that I was overly ever part of that, but I was certainly in you know, a certain vein where you dressed a certain way because that was the image of the church. And, and I'm really glad today that actually we accept people, whoever they are, however they come. Uh, you know, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. Amen? You don't clean a fish before I catch it. And I, you know, I don't ever want to hear, oh, did you see what they were wearing, he or she? That was too revealing for church. How dare you judge somebody else? You don't know the state of their heart. Now, okay, there are certain things we won't have on the platform because they would be a distraction. But you don't clean a fish before you catch it. Amen? Amen. Good preaching. That's not that that was going to be my point today. But you know what? Clothing has become a, a huge industry. It runs, it runs economies, really, along with some other areas of, of industry. Massive, massive industry. What would Italy be? What would France be without the fashion industry? Has huge impact, huge influence. Some individual people have actually become a plumb line as to what people should and shouldn't wear, can and can't wear. If so-and-so um, says it's okay to wear that, then everybody jumps in. If somebody says, no, that's old now, and then you're seen in it, people can sort of laugh a little bit. Oh, you're so last year. Actually, in the fashion industry, you're so last week. That came and went last week. <laughs> they can influence whole generations according to what they endorse and what they wear. And I don't have a problem with the fashion industry. As you see, I'm the, the model of fashionable attire. Thank you so much. I spend ages making sure that I'm like all coordinated. Some of you don't know how to take that. You don't know if I'm mucking about or if you think I'm serious. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, yeah, Pastor Jay, we love you. <laughs> but in the same way that our clothing on the outside is really important to us, perhaps to, you know, to some people, perhaps a little bit more than others, but it's important for all of us. It was certainly important to Adam and Eve after they fell in the garden. Just as our clothes are really important to us, as you go through the Bible, it's full 
of examples and comments and stories and the importance of clothing either physically or spiritually. As we start this series, we're going to be going through some of the things that the Bible talks about as to what people wear. What we as Christians, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, what it is that we're supposed to wear. The Bible says we are robed in robes of righteousness. We're going to find out a little bit about that. We are, are clothed and we're to put on garments of praise, the Bible says. You see, we all know what clothes we're to wear. The Bible says, take unto yourself in the evil day and stand, having done all to stand, stand, put on the whole armour of God. You see, we know what the Bible says about it, but I wonder if sometimes we're walking around naked, if we're putting the world off their breakfast. <laughs> you see, every time Often, not every time, often when we read of, of encounters in the Bible with angels or even with Jesus himself, there are often really strongly detailed comments as to what they wore because it spoke of who they are and the things that had gone on in their lives or what they were about to do. The Bible often talks about white garments. And that means, wow, there is absolute uh, purity here. Not a spot, not a wrinkle on the garments of the body of Christ when we're presented to Jesus Christ at the second coming. Absolutely spotless. The Bible talks about other, other colours. I'm not going to get into that today. You know, today's really just an introduction about the power of clothing. Even Almighty God himself made the first fur coat. I'm not trying to be uh, controversial there. Uh, when he clothed Adam and Eve after the glory of God was lost as their covering. They were clothed with glory. You couldn't see their body until they fell and they chose to do their own thing and rebel against God. At that point, the glory departed and they, they hid themselves with leaves because they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. But Almighty God stepped in straight away. He killed an animal and he clothed his people with an animal. That was the first example of being really covered in blood. And what that is in the Bible, the, the fact that we are to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We'll get into that another time. But as we go through the Bible, we see that Pharaoh clothed um, a Joseph in fine garments, the Bible says. It says the priests were clothed in fine linen. It says Jeroboam specially dressed up to meet the prophet. The Bible says that um, uh, Ruth, she dressed up on purpose in her best clothes in order to go and speak with and hopefully find favour with the one that could turn around her whole situation. See, sometimes we say, oh, isn't it favour, favour, favour? And yet it is favour, but it's also preparation. And we've got to be people who know how to prepare for every season of life, every circumstance in life, every event, every situation we walk into, we need to be clothed in the right way. Not just, you know, 
turning up in our old rags and then believing God to do a miracle. God had to do less of a work because Ruth dressed up. Just a thought, really. Who else? King David, loads of things about how he dressed up. He dressed up in a special ephod in order to inquire of God at a time of incredible desperation. We find King David again. He dressed up and then he, then he dressed off to bring in the ark. And there were, each time there was a comment about what he wore or what he didn't wear. The Bible talks about Jehoshaphat. He dressed up to sit to receive prophetic words from the prophets. Oh, God never talks to me. I wonder if we dress up to hear him. Just a thought. Just a thought. King David again and the elders, they wore sackcloth in a time of great mourning. The priests and other people, they dressed up in order to uh, dedicate the temple and see God's glory fill the temple. You know, there are times you can only do something once. There's only one time you can dedicate a temple. You can't do it the second time you use it. Too late, it's already already happened. Make sure you're dressed right for the first thing. Make sure you're dressed right for your breakthrough. You can't put the clock back. Yes, we can absolutely believe that God is gonna restore years. God's gonna redeem. God's gonna buy back. But let's not create work for God. Let's be dressed up for the first time we go in. On your first date, you want to make sure it's all right. (laughs) Otherwise, perhaps you're not going to get another one. Just a thought. (laughs) The father put on a robe on the prodigal son. He was so excited to see his son. He didn't care what he was clothed in up till that point, but he said, now you're back with me. You're going to look like this. He put, Uh, shoes on his feet. He put a signet ring on his finger. It's a ring of authority. The Bible also describes clothing as a a type of the state of people's character and our abilities. What do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says there are some people who are clothed with shame, disgrace, and dishonor. They wore it on their lives. It was obvious. You know what? You can see the state of people's hearts by what they give out from the outside. What are you wearing today? Some people, the Bible talks about those who are clothed with great gladness. Clothed with it. Oh, I've got the deep joy in my heart. Well, it's time to put it on as a garment. It's time for it to be obvious to the people around. The Bible says we're clothed in God's righteousness. The Bible says we're clothed in strength. What a great word, to be clothed in strength. There were times of great distress in the Bible where people, where people, where people uh, tore their robes. There's that great example, there's others in the Bible, that great example when the Lord Jesus Christ claimed that he was God in front of the Sanhedrin and the high priest tore his robes. He was so offended that he tore his robes. There's another verse in the Bible and I find this one incredible. The man clothed himself with cursing and so it entered his body. Wow. 
clothed himself with cursing. You see, sometimes we think, oh, it doesn't matter what I say or what I look like. God knows my heart. Yeah, but you know... There's a little bit of a problem with that, that, you know, the more we wear stuff, the more it gets in us. You're getting anything out of this today already. The Bible, the Bible says that the Lord is clothed in majesty. The Lord is clothed in strength and the Lord is clothed in honour. He wears clothes that are described Isaiah 59, there's a great passage of Scripture. I use for so many things, but from verse 15 to 17, then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and he, and he thought there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. His own... Uh, 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 righteousness sustained him For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. He put on a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of uh, vengeance for clothing. And he was clad with zeal as a cloak. God dressed up to do a certain work. It really matters how we dress up. It really matters the clothes we wear. Again, I hope we've gone past now the physical clothes we're talking about. We're speaking about the heart and our character and the things that we present to the world around us. So I want to ask us today is just a, just a few points that I want to ask and some that I want to make. And the first one is this, what are you wearing? As we go into this series, we're going to find out the things that God has provided for us. But I want to ask the question, what are you wearing? What are we wearing? Because as I've said, what we wear absolutely demonstrates our status in life. The things we wear is a demonstration of our identity. Who we think we are will be seen in the clothes we wear. Who we think we are. How we see ourselves And also the things that we wear are often a prophetic demonstration of what we are going to become. There are times you think, I can't put this on because it's not who I am. But no, there's a power in what you wear because what you wear is what you're going to become. It's important that we dress not how we feel or how we perhaps even see ourselves in the flesh. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. And faith needs to say, it doesn't matter how I feel, that's who I am, therefore I'm going to dress like who I am. And then as we dress like who we are, we become that thing. Have you ever dressed up and felt a lack of confidence in what you're wearing? Perhaps an insecurity starts to rise up on the inside that says, you can't wear that. (laughs) You ever been there? I know, you know, there's something, who was it? I, I heard Joyce Meyer on the TV the other day and, and she was, I think it was Joyce, and she was talking about her son took her, her shopping and said, now, mum, I'm going to help you get some, it was Joyce, wasn't it? Get some new clothes. You can't look in anywhere over there. 
And that was the old people section. She's 70, what is she, 76? 70 something? A most amazing lady. Amazing. Didn't really kick off till she was in her 50s. Amazing testimony. God ain't finished with you yet. Whoever you are, okay? God's not finished with you yet. You know what? But isn't it easy to dress like we think we should? Because gravity has had its influence on our lives. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. What? This chest has dropped? (laughs) But her son said to her, you can't look anywhere over there. You can only buy clothes from this section over here. Now, we love growing old gracefully. Amen? That's fine. That's great. But make sure you grow old gracefully and not, uh, what's the other word? Frumpily. Yeah, don't be frumpy. Let's be gracious and let's still shine. But sometimes we think, oh no, I can't wear that. Perhaps you're hitting that, that midlife area and, that, and those tight leather trousers are starting to be a little bit of a challenge for you blokes. And for you ladies, the spandex is screaming, we've stretched as far as we can. (laughs) Leave us alone, have mercy on us, please. But, you know, sometimes we think, oh, no, I can't wear that. Why? Because it'll make, perhaps in our minds, it'll make too much of a statement. Some people perhaps with a little bit of insecurity on the inside want to dress in the, in the more pastel shades, whereas those with a little bit of a confidence that, that perhaps is uh, a little bit too well-fed is sort of want to dress up in the spangly silver and gold. I don't know. But sometimes we can put something on and, you know, this isn't only the case, but I use Sharon as an example because I can't use anybody else. And Sharon will say, what does this look like on on me? And I go, oh, fantastic. You look wonderful. And she goes, no, I think it's a bit too dressy. I think it's a bit too dressy. Now, again, that's an example. It's probably happened a few times, but not often because there's a confidence there. But but it's like, you know, I don't want to overstep it. I don't want to be the one that stands out. Wow. Now, we don't want to stand out with some appearance of, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. But dear God, the Bible says we are to shine as lights in this darkness as we hold out the word of life, holding out the character of God and the power of God and what God has done in our lives. And I do believe it's time for the church to arise and shine. Can I say it like this day? Arise and dress up. Arise and look the part. And don't be embarrassed that you stand out. And don't be embarrassed that as you walk in the room, everybody goes, who's just walked in the room? Not because you're wearing your spangles, but because you're shining. Because you're dressed up and ready to go. You're dressed up and ready to go somewhere. There's an expression in the world, and I've said it to a couple of people, and I think it must be for old people, all dressed up and nowhere to go. Who's, Who's heard of that expression? All dressed up with nowhere to go. Oh, I feel all at ease now. Because there were some younger hands in the auditorium. 
I want to declare all dressed up with somewhere to go. We're on mission. We've got somewhere to go. But, you know, in the same way that sometimes there's an insecurity that can rise up and go, no, I won't wear that. I'll dress down a little bit. So the enemy wants to invade your mind. He wants to invade your, your um, whole way that you see yourself. And the enemy tries to tell us, you can't wear that. Who do you think you are? to walk in with your head held high in a robe of righteousness and you know you've got it when I know what you did last night. There's nowhere in the Bible that says when you get it wrong, take off your robes. When you get it wrong, that's when the Bible says you've got robes on your life. Don't worry about it, I've covered it. Clothes, Speak to us, speak to other people about our core beliefs and our prevailing mentalities. How we really see ourselves. Now this is where some people get really confused about what humility is all about. You know, the Bible is really, really, really clear and we cannot make this any more clear. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So I don't ever want to be on the receiving end of God's resistance, ever. You can pray, you can believe, you can do everything you can, but if God's resisting you, it's over. <laughs> Nothing's going to work if God is resisting you. And the only scripture I know of in the Word of God about when God will resist a believer in the New Testament is if we get into pride and arrogance. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Aren't I great? So how does that sort of go hand in hand with the Bible commands us to be confident? Commands us to be, to be those who stand tall and stand strong. Well, it's because our confidence is in God and how he's clothed us, not in the fact that we deserved it or did anything to get it. Amen? What does Hebrews 10.19 say? It says this, Enter God's presence with boldness and confidence in robes of righteousness. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet, ah, oh, this is where I've got to really calm myself down because I so hate a religious spirit. I so hate it. It robs people of their life and of their relationship with God. It demands that we creep in to God's presence still conscious that we once wore, or in some people's minds, in some parts of religion, are still wearing filthy robes. It's a tragedy. It's what the enemy wants to do. Remind us of who we were, or remind us of how he still sees us. And that we're to enter into God's presence. People even teach this stuff. That you've got to enter into God's presence and the first thing you need to do is repent. Nothing could be further from the truth. We don't enter into God's presence in a consciousness of sin. 
we enter into God's presence with a consciousness of the Lordship and the saving power of Jesus Christ that He shed His blood and made a way so I can come in with a confidence and with a boldness crying out, Abba, Father. That's the entrance into the presence of God. I don't enter in conscience of me. I enter in very conscious of Him. Of Him. I don't come in thinking about myself. My needs, my strengths, my wants, my desires, I enter in thinking, Jesus, you are everything to me. You are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Enter into His gates with thankfulness. Enter into His courts with praise. Come in with your mind set on things above, not set on things down here. I don't know what religion has taught you, but you don't enter in in a repentant on your knees. You enter in with your head held high, walking in the blood of Jesus Christ, being grateful and thankful that I'm not here on my own merits. I'm here because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we, that's how we enter in. What do you wear when you enter into the presence of God? After the entrance, anything can happen. God can remind us of something that we need to sort out. Let Him remind you. There are times when we enter in with a confidence and a boldness, hands held high, head held high, robed and washed and we know who we are and we've walked in in the blood and we spend time, quality time, authentic, genuine time, praising God and giving Him all the glory. And then we start, our Father, if you want to go through the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Hello, even Jesus said you start with praise. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, some people start that prayer with, oh God, forgive us our trespasses. That didn't happen till halfway through or near the end. Hello? You enter in with God on your mind. Don't start it with the repentance. Oh, Pastor Joe, are you teaching we don't repent? No, I'm not. I'm saying let's be more God conscious than sin conscious. Let's be more God conscious. I want to say this, and as I was preparing for this, I thought I'm, I, I want this to, to be said with every bit of authority and compassion that I've got on the inside of me. Stop living life dressed up in old cast-off clothes that you grabbed out the rubbish bin. They've been thrown away. Next week, I want to preach on robes of righteousness, but I wanted to start this by saying, come on, stop dressing up in cast-off clothes. Stop dressing up in clothes you keep taking out the bin and then putting back in the trash and taking out the trash and putting back in the trash. Why? Because you got an emotional attachment to them. I like the attention. We don't need to wear clothes that speak of our abuse. We don't need to wear clothes that speak of our rejection. We don't need to wear clothes that, that, that speak of our shame. We don't need to, just like, and I've said it nearly every time I'm praying, I'm praying at the moment as people go through the fire, they will come out not even smelling of smoke. They'll even come out not even wearing the same garments. They'll come out robed in different robes and they'll leave the old trash in the fire. 
Amen. What is the power of the gospel? Well, the power of the gospel is there's been a great exchange. A great exchange. Wow. Great example of that is in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Now, Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Now, this was the high priest Joshua. This is not Joshua, the man of war. This is now generations later, the high priest. And he was a good high priest. At the time of Ezra, there was, there was this high priest, Joshua the high priest. They rebuilt the temple and the walls and all sorts of stuff. Now, Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then God answered, the angel answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from Joshua. And to him he said, see I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you in rich robes. Wow. See, some people still love to say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. A Christian should never declare that out of their mouth. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Not true. Not the gospel. Not the fact. I was a sinner and I got saved by grace. I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you telling me, Pastor Jay, that you don't sin? No, I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you I'm clothed with robes of righteousness. That's my identity. And if sin happens, I repent of it. I get it out. But I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. I am saved. I am sanctified in Jesus' Name. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. On the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, He had removed off of Him the garments of praise. He had removed off of Him the oil of joy. He had removed off of Him the robes of righteousness. And He wore instead your and mine, our filthy robes of unrighteousness. He wore them on the cross. No wonder the father turned his, his, his face from him. And the whole of creation went into darkness. He wore our filthy robes in order that I can wear his royal garments. He never committed any sin, yet he wore my sin. I never committed any righteousness, and yet I wear his righteousness. We've got to get out of this thing. I've got to do something to get something. No, he didn't sin to get your sin. You don't have to do righteousness to get righteousness. You just got to give your life to Jesus Christ and then he comes and robes you and he clothes you with that which he wears. Wow, we're getting to that more next week and the week after. The Bible tells us to put on the mind of Christ. In the Old Testament, just to, just to give us a little bit of contrast. In the Old Testament, there is a cry for mercy. Now, I'm very, very aware I might be going against some doctrinal emphasis in the body of Christ today. 
but I'm going to say what I absolutely believe the Word of God is clear with. In the Old Testament, there is a cry for mercy. You can find it all the way through. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. Then 2,000 years ago, God had mercy on the world. There is no more cry for mercy in the New Testament. There is no more cry for mercy. You cannot find it one place in the Bible other than a couple of people that wanted to receive healing. And again, that's before the cross. Nobody cried for mercy after the cross because mercy was given. No longer is there a cry for mercy. Now there is a shout of praise because God has had mercy. In the Old Testament, there's a yearning for righteousness. There's a passion for righteousness. Now in the New Testament, after the cross, there is a confidence that we have been made the righteousness of God because no longer are we under law, but we are under grace. See, to hear some people pray, you would think they're still under the old covenant. Oh God, have mercy on the United Kingdom. He has had mercy on the United Kingdom. He's given the body of Christ. He's given His Son. He's poured out His Spirit. He's had mercy. Now it's time for us to show mercy. Hello? Here some people pray you think they're still in the Old Testament. Oh God, what do we get you to do to move? He's already moved. God's not having to wait. Sorry, the church is not having to wait for God. God is waiting on the church. Oh God, when are you going to stretch forth your hand and heal? Old Testament, New Testament. You go and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'll move when you move, God is saying. I'll move when you move. I'll forgive when you introduce people to the Saviour. Wow, let's make sure we're up to date. Let's make sure we're not wearing Old Testament clothes, Old Testament mindsets, Old Testament mentalities. Let's be dressed up. Let's be in this dispensations. That means this season in the body of Christ. Let's make sure we're wearing this season's clothes. We're not wearing old, give me mercy, Lord God, please. I'll get into that more next week when we talk about robes of righteousness. We still come to the throne of grace and we still obtain mercy. Amen. Aren't you glad we can still have mercy and we can still have grace? But it's this cry that we got to get rid of. Oh God, have mercy. Ah. Ah. Everybody go, ah. Ah. <laughs> Our identity is now in Christ. God calls me. God calls you. Let's have the band back up, please. What does He call us? He calls me blessed. Calls me accepted. I'm going to say me, because this is so personal to me. (laughs) You need to say this is what God calls you. Amen? God calls me blessed. He calls me accepted. He calls me healed. 
He calls me exalted. He calls me raised up. He calls me forgiven. He calls me the light of the world. He calls me victorious. He calls me more than a conqueror. He calls me a child of God. He calls me a friend of Jesus. He calls me justified as if I'd done nothing wrong. He calls me redeemed. He calls me set free. He calls me the house of the Holy Spirit. He calls me somebody in Christ. He calls me chosen. He calls me beloved. He calls me blameless. He calls me made alive. He He calls me one with God. He calls me a co-heir with Jesus Christ. He calls me an heir of God of everything that the Father owns. He calls me seated with, sorry, sealed with the Holy Spirit. He calls me seated in heavenly places far above all the works of the enemy. He calls me filled with God's love. He calls me God's peace. He calls me filled with God's joy and He calls me filled with God's faith. That's what He calls me. That's what He calls me. So as we close, what do we need to do? We need to identify with what God says. We need to dress up with what he says he's put in our closet. Do you ever go to your closet? I know what you ladies do. You've got like a room full of clothes and you go, I've got nothing to wear. I've got nothing to wear. I've got nothing to wear. I think sometimes we've got areas of our closet And it's the feeling area of our closet. It's how we see ourselves mindset area of the closet. And then we got the clothes God's given us. Because they are different. And of course there's a sense that you can't take off what God has put on you. But I think sometimes we put on over the top. Sometimes we put on over the top or we try to take off the clothes that God's given us and we go to that familiar old end. That insecure, ashamed, sick, poor end. Oh, that's just my migraines. Instead of putting on healing. I think it's absolutely tragic that the church wears clothes that Jesus wore on the the cross. Tragic. He wore them and went through hell to put them on. When he was raised from the dead, he left them in the pit. He left them in the lowest place. He was not raised from the dead wearing filthy robes. He was not raised from the dead wearing sickness and disease. He was not raised from the dead wearing depression, oppression. He was not raised from the dead wearing clothes of offence. Why is it everyone's so offendable today? It's because everyone's wearing offending clothes. We've got to identify with what God says about us. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. 
And there are some people here probably that actually need to do something. Perhaps it is to do with some clothes that you wear. Because sometimes the physical clothes we wear absolutely represent who we are on the inside. I don't want to get into psychology today and how we feel and how we think and how we present ourselves. I'm not getting into all of that. But sometimes people dress down because they feel rubbish. And you've got to step out by faith and put on something decent. Oh, but I don't want people looking at me. Stand up and get some confidence. God has made you more than a conqueror, a world overcomer. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Dress like it. Doesn't mean to say that you wear your pancaldi ties and your benini suits. That's not what it is. But, but there's a confidence that is prepared. Do something with your hair. I know most of you throw it on in the morning. I know. I found out. I found out. You know how I found out, some of you. We were in a healing line. You know what happened. We were in a healing line and it was right here. I will never forget it. I know who the person is to this day. They're no longer in the church. Nothing to do with this thing. They planted their own church. It's all good. And I laid hands. It was a healing thing. And normally you say, so what do you believe in God for? I don't go, what's wrong with you? I'm not agreeing your problem. I say, what do you believe in God for? Every time they came to Jesus, he didn't say, what's wrong with you? I'm blind. Well, if that's what you're receiving, you just go and whatever. He said, no, what do you want me to do? That I might receive my sight. You talk about the answer, not the problem. Yeah? What, you're going to get out of it. And I normally ask, what do you believe in God for? But once I laid my hands on her head, I knew what it was. She had lumps all over her head. It was like, I thought she had like cysts all over her head, but it wasn't, it was hair clips. I didn't know, I didn't know that it's fake. It's hilarious. So I was binding and loosing and laying hands on and God, I pray for this head. In the most sensitive way, of course. No wonder she looked very surprised at me at the end of the prayer. But let's dress up, guys. Let's dress with some confidence on the inside. What else we got to do? We got to cast off old clothes we shouldn't keep pulling out the trash. Oh, Pastor Jay, will you pray for me? I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling this and I'm not feeling that. Well, stop wearing the same clothes every day. Stop wearing the same clothes. We can take them off and throw them away and then you go running back and put them back on again. Renew your mind. Renew your mind as to what God has said about you. Old mentalities, old identities need to be thrown away once and for all because they don't impress anybody. And they certainly don't present a position of humility before God to keep reminding Him of what He's forgotten. Oh God, don't you know I did this last week? And he said, what are you talking about? What did you do? That, I can't remember that, says God. Why are you still remembering it? It's gone. 
I'm not focusing on that. As we close, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 52. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, there was a blind man, the son of Timaeus. He sat on the road. He was asking for money. This was his lifestyle, begging, lifestyle, mentality. He saw himself as a beggar. He dressed as a beggar. He wore clothes like a beggar. As I went into this and I was really trying to find out, I've heard so many people preach about, oh, they had a beggar's robe. Well, I've I've tried to find it. You can't find a beggar's robe in the history. But what you can find is that he was a very poor man, obviously. And he probably just had what was like a blanket, like a shawl. And what would happen because he was blind is they'd spread it out in front. And because he couldn't see when people threw money, they'd throw it onto the blanket it so he could gather it up so he didn't have to try and find the coins it was thrown on there that was his that was his income that was his business that was his livelihood that was who he was that was his identity if he didn't have the blanket he didn't have any money and he sat there And when he heard that it was Jesus who was going past, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Everyone around him told him to be quiet. Warned him. That's a threat, isn't it? Warned him to be quiet. If you don't shut up, we'll make you shut up. That's what the enemy is saying to people. If you don't shut up, I'm going to make you shut up. Embarrass you even more. But he cried out all the more. See, to have your breakthrough in life, you cannot be intimidated by the lies of the enemy. Cannot be intimidated by what he says or by what he does. You've got to let the shout out. You've got to let the shout out. When we shout in church, it's not just because we're a loud church. It's because the walls are going to fall down. It's because the glory of God's coming in. There's something about a shout that comes out of confidence. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying, Cheer up. (laughs) Be of good cheer. Rise up. He's calling you and throwing aside his garment He rose and came to Jesus and Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I love, I love this passage. One of the first things I ever preached was Mark chapter 10 back in 1991. And I called it cry out all the more. I've still got a cassette tape of it somewhere. Cry out all the more. Don't let your feelings shut you up. Don't let your circumstances quieten you down. But it's not just about a shout today. It's about what you're going to throw away. What you're going to cast aside. The the big mentality that is overpowering everything you ever do. You see yourself as a victim. 
It's because I was this. It's because I was born at the wrong time. It was because I wasn't wanted as a child. It's because I'm of the wrong colour. It's because I'm the wrong sex. It's because this happened to me. It's because that was said to me. It's because that's what I did. It's because that's what I've become. I love this passage of Scripture. He didn't sit there and argue with Jesus and say, yeah, but you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the mentality that I'm now ingrained in because of my life as a beggar. You don't know what's been done to me. You know what he did? He heard that it was Jesus and he started to cry out, Jesus, my time for a breakthrough. And when they said, shut up, not now, you're the wrong one, you're the wrong race, you're the wrong colour, you're the wrong physical appearance, you're the wrong sex, you're the wrong this, you're the wrong that, you're the wrong, shut up or else we'll shut you. Shut up, blind Bartimaeus, you're blind, that's what you're always gonna be, that's what's happened to you. Uh, you gotta really feel sorry for yourself because that's what's happened. And he just went, Jesus, my time for a breakthrough. And with something that was more than a personality. This was more than just a mentality. This was something that rose up on the inside. And when people came to Him and they said, oh, the Master wants to call you now, wants you to be with Him. He stood straight up. He took off that old mentality and He said, never again, never again, never again, never again. Never again am I going to beg. Never again am I going to depend on what this world gives me. Never again am I going to submit to what they say. Never again will I be downtrodden. Never again, never again, never again. Come on, let's stand to our feet today. Never again. Never again will I identify as sick, poor, broke, downtrodden, abused, rejected. Never again. Because the Master has stood still and the Master has called me and the Master has said, you can have what you want. There are some people who need to cast off some garments today. Cast them off. Mentalities. Mindsets. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We are standing to our feet. Let's lift our hands to God today, shall we? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being a God of breakthrough. A God of new days new seasons, new mindsets. In the name of Jesus, I take authority in this place over every demonic thing, over every oppressive spirit, over every controlling mindset, over every core belief that is fundamentally opposed to what God has spoken. In Jesus' name right now, we agree we take captive every thought and make them obedient to Christ. 
and our identity in Him. And in Jesus' name, we declare, never again shall we submit. Come on, we got to declare that out. Never again. Come on, never again. Come on, shout it out today. Never again. Never again will I submit to that. Never again. Come on, let something come out of your heart today. Never again. Never again. Never again in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for victory in Jesus' name. Let's all declare this. I am the righteousness of God. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. Come on, let that sink right down deep in your heart right now. I want you to see yourself put it on those robes. Robes of righteousness. Garments of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray in the Spirit just a little bit. Come on, God is doing something here today. He is doing something in this place.